and let's get into our trending news now trending news right now how are you at Lahang today i'm well thanks and how are you asanda i'm good thank you very much would you be in a polyamory or polyamor polyamorous relationship because I'm not getting into it. I'm not even trying to pronounce it correctly. What are your thoughts about it? Uh, My thoughts have always been that it's not something that I would actively opt into. Um, Like you've said before, even the fact that you don't know where you fall into. Are you the primary partner, secondary partner? Because even though people do mention that they have their own primary partner and you're just going to be a a secondary partner, what about your health as well? Um, You don't know what happens like behind closed doors, especially with other people. So I do think that you're also placing your health at risk because you can't trust that the person will fully be able to protect themselves and to protect you as well. But also I do think that secondly, even the thing of having primary, secondary uh, a partner, um, it automatically means that you always come second to that person. So that's also unfair on you because um, even the kinds of decisions that they would make, they would have to consult the first partner first before they consult you or before they talk to you about anything. So I'm totally against polyamorous relationship. I'm not fully into that. Now we're together on that one. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's talk our trending topics then. We, we're talking about hashtag Tandemudise first. Uh, this long-standing court case where uh, the trial against uh, National Assembly Speaker Tandemudise uh, continues now in court uh, on Wednesday with witnesses giving evidence on the conditions of the animals that were found on the farm uh, in Northwest several years ago. So this was uh, around uh, when a veterinarian and a former employee at the farm gave detailed accounts on events leading to a discovery of animals that were left abandoned. Some had died, some had to be euthanized. Uh, Let's talk about that. So a vet testified in the trial on Monday detailing the conditions that the animals were in. So um, one of the charges related to the uh, dozens of animals that died um, due to starvation and dehydration on her farm. Um, this was speaking about Tandi Mudiso is also like a speaker of parliament who's being privately prosecuted for animal cruelty by Afriforum on behalf of the NSPCA. So I think it's very important to understand that animal cruelty still is one of the biggest conversations that we have. Um, the fact that it's important to protect our animals, it's important to conserve our animals. So at any point where someone is um, uh, not protecting them or where there's animal cruelty in Mm. place, then it is justified for the person to stand in for trial um, because it's also just to send a message to a whole lot of people as well to educate them and to say to them that animals do have feelings as well, like they usually say, and that we ought to protect our animals. So she is um, standing in for trial again because of the animal cruelty case against her in the Northwest in her own farm. The, the second testimony, besides the veterinarian, was also from Tebucho uh, Mwakedi, uh, who had worked on the farm. He's uh, allegedly the last person to be employed on the farm. He worked there for two months on a promise of being paid 30 rand a day. So above the national, not above, but in addition to animal cruelty that's come to the fore, the working conditions of farm workers have also you know, been highlighted in this case because 30 rand a day. I mean, um, what can one do with that amount? That's true, because over and above animal cruelty, even the conditions of the workers, like you're saying, but also even worse, it it, it, is, it does constitute as exploitation, because 
you're paying people not even like the minimum wage. You're paying them 30 rents to look after the farm, to look after animals, to make sure that they're able to take care of those animals. So it wasn't just that. It's also a matter of expectation. And especially as a Speaker, speaker of Parliament, it's worse because we expect so much from you as, as someone who's always speaking about um, why it's important to protect people or why it's important to pay people maybe like the minimum wage. So I do mm. think that expectation is also the biggest conversation there um, because also why would you have a farm if you don't want to pay people to take care of your farm or if you don't want to take care of those animals in the farm to start with? Why would someone put themselves in a position where they're spending so much money conserving a farm that they don't really want. I just don't understand that part. Mm, it, it doesn't make sense. And I mean, I've, I've run a farm with workers on it. It's not a joke. I'm telling you, those workers literally are lifesavers. They do everything from what the vet would do to, you know, what the normal person, I guess, would do, knowing. And, and a lot of the farm workers know more than the, the owners in terms of how to take care of animals and the soil um, and, and the crops and all of that. So they deserve way better conditions than that. So he she's facing six counts of contravening the Animal Protection Act and has pleaded not guilty to the charges. What do you think uh, this is going to end up as? Uh, okay, because he is a Speaker of Parliament, and I'm trying to be optimistic here, I think that um, uh, the fact that she's on trial right now is actually a good thing because um, it sets a precedent uh, that even Speakers of Parliament can stand trial, they can be held to account, but also, I'm just waiting to see what's going to happen because my own conclusions is that um, she's not going to be, she's not going to go to prison for that, and it's the biggest thing. But I think what would happen is that they would maybe make her pay a fine or make her pay something. But I don't think that uh, justice will fully take its course um, because also even with people who are pro and who are against animal cruelty and are always uh, pro animal rights. Um, those people, even when they speak, I, I don't I like. There's just a small percentage of individuals, especially in South Africa, who do take them into consideration and who do uh, understand the importance of protecting animals or animal rights. So I don't really think that um, she's going to face uh, or she's going to be held to account for that thing. She's just going to stand trial, pay a fine, and that's it. I don't think that anything more than that is going to happen to her. Mm, let's talk hashtag Katlehomabwe now. As the South African TV presenter, singer, songwriter, and accountant uh, who's been nominated now for Best Presenter at the 2021 South African Film and Television Awards. Most people would know him for those outsurance ads. Change that Ideng was his coining term. Uh, then also the video that went viral of him allegedly cheating on his partner and then giving her an STD, which was all over social media. Then, you know, outsurance canned him and uh, some other deals as well. Uh, a morning show that he was doing canned him. So now he's nominated Best Presenter at the 2021 South African Film and Television Awards. Uh, being part, like living in South Africa is very disappointing to say the very least, especially as a woman, knowing that you are not protected. And this is also conversations that we've had a couple of times. Um, this is someone who is accused of domestic violence. Um, and imagine now we're also nominating that person for um, a SAFTA. Um, I do think what it, it does is that it's bad reputation for SAFTA because it means that it also questions the credibility of SAFTA that can we still nominate people even when they're accused of domestic violence, even when we know that it's the biggest problem in South Africa? What are we actively doing to make sure that we're not celebrating uh, people who are 
actively violating women, women or who are actively inflicting pain on other individuals. So I think it's, 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 it's bad. It's really not nice to have to always go back to that conversation of domestic violence and how, as a country, we're always protecting perpetrators and we're not doing anything to protect the victims. So it's, it's a shame to actually constantly go back to that conversation and have to interrogate what are we actively doing as a state to protect the victims of domestic violence. So nominating him seems more like they are now protecting him because even if they've removed him from a lot of endorsements um, and is no longer an outsurance or many other things that he was doing, but the fact that he's nominated says a lot. It simply says that we can overlook all of the things that he has done and still be able to um, support him and defend him even as a presenter or to even nominate him for that matter. The fact that his fans are rooting for his reinstatement at the Expresso morning show uh, that he must be a presenter there. And there was a whole petition created which generated about 75,000 signatures. What do you think that says? Obviously, you don't agree that he should go back. But what do you think that says then about how we are as South Africans when it comes to exactly the same topic that you say? Somebody has serious allegations of domestic violence, yet there are still others who are backing him and saying he needs to be back on air. Um, I think we are always able to overlook, especially if you're someone's fan and you hear that the person has done something, you don't want to believe it. Like you try to convince yourself that it's not true until you actually do believe that it's not true, even if it is. Um, So in those situations, um, I I do think that as people were more loyal to the person, even when they are declared as the perpetrator of such a crime, you are not willing to accept it and uh, and because of how, the number of fans that he uh, uh, had, that's why people will always just consistently go back and support perpetrators. Because what they care about is their own fan base and the fact that you are someone's fan and you're trying to endorse that person. And you don't actually care about the fact that this is someone who has violated another woman and it could be you tomorrow. This is someone who has actively um, taken, actively did not necessarily respect someone's bodily autonomy. So I think people are always willing to overlook those things when it's their own favorite individual. But had it been like someone close to you, then that's when people act. But if it's someone far away from you, then uh, it, people are always willing to overlook it. And I think that's the sad part about just being in this country and just about existing as a woman in a country like South Africa because you know that you will never be protected by any other person but your people who are close to you and the perpetrator will always be supported. The perpetrators will, will still go back and be able to um, um, to do their own thing even after what has happened to you and while you have to deal with the trauma. So that's the unfortunate part about it. Okay, so let's look at the nominations. If you were the one choosing, I'm going to put you on the spot a bit, Atlehan. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. So we've got the Devi shows, Devi Sankari Governor. We've got Dineo Ranaka from Yimlo. We've got Entle Bizane from Hectic on 3. We've got v- Valdemar Pelser from KN Verslach in Gasprek. We've got Palisa Tembe from Afternoon Express. And Kachi Nzama from Come Again. Who would you choose? I would definitely choose uh, Dineo Ranaka. Okay. Dineo Ranaka was also part of the nominations that you asked. Yeah. No, it would have to be her. Awesome. Okay, let's let's yeah. move on then. Let's talk yeah. hashtag Kabehane. Uh, Nelson Mandela Bay uh, currently experiencing a severe drought with uh, the major storage dams supplying the metro at the lowest levels of all time. This has been a challenge before in South Africa, our dam levels going low and, and drought. But the metro is saying that uh, they... Her dam capacity is only at 
Um, so water shedding has been happening in the Eastern Cape and it has been um, the biggest problem. So I think that um, the fact that there isn't anything that we're actively doing to make sure that we're still able to maybe store water somewhere just so we can be able to avoid maybe like a, a day zero because they are estimating that there's a possibility that there will be a day zero by August um, in that place. So I do think that because a drought affects a lot of um, it, it affects a lot of things. So it basically just stops mm. things from working. So imagine if a, a, a dam runs dry, it means animals won't be able to uh, to drink from the dam. It also just means that people won't be able to get water from the dam. So I do think that that's the biggest problem because if they're experiencing water shedding and we're anticipating that it's going to it, it, we're going to have a day zero in August. And I do think that it's important to always have a foresight for what is likely going to happen, especially when it comes to water, and find other alternative means of making sure that people can still get access to water. Because water is very important, especially for um, the daily activities that needs to take place. So imagine now animals cannot get water, mm. meaning that those animals, um, though, uh, those animals are likely going to die or if maybe we can't even use the water to maybe water the crops and um, and things like that. So it does mean that it's going to affect a lot of activities and, and mostly it's going to affect even human beings um, who collect water from the dam. So we definitely do need to do something as a country to have like an alternative reservoir just to make sure that we're able to store water um, for such uh, cases. Atlakang Mulefe, our social commentator, discusses trending topics with us if you've just joined us here on Sound Awake. Our time is four minutes past four. Good morning to you. And we're talking hashtag Rebecca now, the drought uh, that uh, is affecting the national, uh, the Nelson Mandela Bay Metro there. Uh, the, the other issue, Atlakang, is leaks that need repairment. And that's something I think we almost overlook. What can be done to educate people around that? Because leaks also, you know, as much as there's an infrastructure problem, uh, but on a day-to-day, family-to-family basis, there are leaks that, that, you know, stay unrepaired. You'd rather put a bucket and catch the water instead of fix it. And that also uh, does, you know, affect this issue. What, what more education do we need around that, in your view? Okay, so I think... Um, the kind of education is also very di- uh, different because even the Nes- Nes- uh, Nelson Mandela Bay were talking about um, uh, the thing is when you're educating people about leaks is that you do tell them about the importance of education. But I think the form of education that we see in that in those instances, it's literally just like an advert that we see once in a while about why it's important to save water and to stop um, leaks and and things like that. So I do think that an active um, uh, conversation, an active education needs to go around that where we're able to tell people how many liters of water um, goes to waste when there's a leak and they're not necessarily doing anything about it. So I do think that that needs to be an ongoing conversation that happens. And especially if now they're anticipating a day zero by August, because the kind of remember the kind of education that happened in Cape Town mm. when they were also experiencing a day zero. That was a they made like they made sure that the conversation is real. And even when you were in Cape Town during that time, you could feel that they are necessarily experiencing water shedding. And everywhere you go, you would see posters. Everywhere you go, you see people talking about it. Even in the households themselves, people did understand the importance of day zero. So even with the leaks themselves, 
what we need to do is have an active conversation and also just to make sure that when we educate people, we make them understand that we lose this amount of liters of water if you're not going to um, fix the pipe or you're not going to fix the leak in, in your household. And maybe also just trying to make sure that we also do a date, uh, uh, door-to-door check just to see if people are really complying with that because water is important and water shedding unfortunately does affect a lot of people and a lot of activities so we do need to take an active stance in ensuring that we're able to prevent it um, from happening yeah hashtag acdp now uh, where the african christian democratic party on monday picketed against a draft policy on gender identity and sexual orientation in school. So basically at the premise of this is that the ACDP is against school principals managing the process of referring a pupil who questions his or her gender identity to a social worker, a psychologist, or any other organization for counseling and assistance. Um, so I, uh, it has been going around, even especially on television or like on social media, this conversation around the ACDP. Um, but I think understanding the principles of the party itself is that it's a Christian party, it's a very small party. But also I do think that their tone is mostly homophobic, like everyone is saying, um, because of the fact that when a person's um, sexual identity is their own and they, it should not be determined by any other person, and if a person wants to speak to a social worker because they don't have anyone at home to speak to about their sexual identity, then that's important and that they should be granted that human rights to be able to consult with someone else who's able to understand them. Absolutely. Because it's also, yes, because it's also a thing where when... uh, oftentimes when there isn't anyone that uh, a child can speak to, especially at that age where they're starting to determine their own sexuality, they can even resort to like maybe uh, things like committing suicide because they feel unwanted in a society that is constantly telling them that they don't belong to be there because of their own sexual identity. So if we're able to support such policies, especially in public schools, and um, when a child is still very young and they're still determining their own sexuality, then it means that we're also not necessarily protecting a child who does identify as homosexual. And even when they were uh, making very homophobic comments or like comments against like transgender people, that you're a man, you're a woman, and you shouldn't change your boy, your girl, um, I just felt that was a, a very offensive because even at that age, you do find, um, what, you do find transgender um, uh, uh, students. So it simply means that what's going to happen to a child who's coming to terms or a child who's not comfortable in their own body when they are told now that they shouldn't do this, they shouldn't do that. So I do think that a school should definitely be a safe space for every child. And therefore, if we're going to allow for ACDP to um, maybe to endorse those things that they're talking about, then we're denying the child the ability to feel safe in an environment such as school. I think for me, the counselling has to be there. The social workers, the psychologists, they always have to be there in schools to, you know, at least the, for the kids to have someone to speak to, as you say. That has to be there. I don't understand why that would be an opposition. Also, uh, the party is opposed to allowing uh, those pupils who form part of the LGBTQI plus community to use toilets or changing room facilities, which that particular student or pupil feels comfortable with. Also, that's the other part I want to talk about, especially in like a very progressive uh, country like South Africa, that um, we are just building tolerance instead of acceptance for people and we're trying to intervene with um, how they identify, 
what bathrooms they want to use. Because even saying that you don't want a, a unisex or like you don't want a non-binary bathroom, because also that was the biggest conversation even when they were installed, even at the university level, where you would still find people saying that no, that shouldn't be the case, or you're a man, you're a woman, and therefore someone saying that they don't feel safe. But also not also taking into consideration um, the person who's part of a minority group, a person who feels comfortable in being in a different bathroom because of how they identify or how they see themselves. So I do think that it's a very selfish decision to simply say that you don't want those people to use or t- toilets that they prefer, but to also use the one that you want to assign to them. So I do think that shouldn't really be ac- acceptable. And even at like in a in a school at a school, um, it's very important that those people feel safe in bathrooms. And if a bathroom of uh, that is isn't that normally assigned to you, um, then you should be allowed to go to that bathroom. And their argument saying that this policy will be forced upon learners, uh, and that's why they're opposing and saying what they are saying as the ACDP, they stand against this policy. And then the question for me is like, who's forcing who? Because are you not doing the very same thing that you are accusing the schools or this policy of doing? They are definitely uh, in the wrong because now they don't see that they're the ones forcing something um, down the throat of the students. But I do think that also even as uh, not even a ruling party to, for that matter, it's, it's very, I think for me, it's not sincere because how do you also expect people to support your party, to endorse your party and to vote for your party if you are big on very, uh, your tone with homophobia is so big, your, your, your tone on being um, anti-LGBTIQ plus community is so big. So I do think that definitely something needs to be done about it. Like even as a party, I do think they need to be held to account. That we need to stop them from what they're trying to do because uh, making a child feel bad about their own sexual identity is actually something that's not nice because you're not giving them the opportunity to self-determine or self-actualize. You're basically mm. asserting yourself you're basically um, now forcing something onto them and not allowing them to make the choice for themselves. Hashtag CR17 bank statements. Now let's move on to that one. This is the last topic then in trends. President Cyril Ramaphosa telling the Commission of Inquiry into State Capture that while he was not involved in the fundraising of his 2017 presidential campaign, he is certain it did not buy votes. So he was asked about the 500,000 rent donation from Pusasa to his campaign. What can we say about this? Um, so what happened is that... Um uh, he didn't like really like you were saying that didn't disclose the amount of money that uh, businesses donated during elections, especially to different other political parties. So I do think that um, in this particular state, we need to understand that people run away from accountability in so many ways. And knowing him, he wouldn't really disclose that he was funded by Bostasa or the Guptas, even if that was true. Because what he would, if he would, dis- it would, if it would, it would um, agree and say that it did happen, it means that he's also just would would now have to be held to account for that thing. So he wouldn't really disclose it as a way to protect himself because even when he was speaking on his first day of trial, he was trying to remove himself from the ANC in a way, like someone from being part of a party, but also not wanting to account for the things that have happened. So I do think that's a very important conversation. Also just checking bank statements and making sure that those transactions um, did happen or did not happen. But also on the other side is that you can, I feel like, I'm not sure if it's possible, but removing transactions 
especially as the president of the country, I think he can easily do that just a way to save himself or to protect himself in the commission itself. So I do think that active steps need to be taken and it shouldn't just be a one-day thing where we are now uh, questioning his bank statements and trying to see his bank statement. We should actually do it for the longest time just to make sure that um, this is something that didn't even happen because if Gupta supported his campaign, then automatically it means that they can influence the decision that he makes even standing in as a president. So this is something that's really big and something that we need to look into as a country and um, just to hold him to account and to hold the, the ruling party to account as well. Yeah. He also denied rumors that the campaign managed to raise 1 billion, saying it was 300 million rand that he's aware of. We know now, uh, I mean, maybe this was inspiration for this, but there's a the Political Party Funding Act, which uh, became effective from the 1st of April, where... If there's any funding, especially from private, well, private foreign entities, if it's up to five million rand, it needs to be disclosed to the IEC. Do you think this law or fund or act will be held against him then in this particular issue? Or it's a matter of no only cases from the 1st of April moving forward as when the effective date is for this act will be considered? Knowing how things are done in South Africa, I do think that it's not going to be effective now for him. They're probably just going to pardon him because also he is the president of the country. So they're probably going to pardon him and then say that it's effective in in future for other people. But for him, and I I also don't think that it was, um, it's, it's, it's a legitimate thing to not disclose um, that I feel like he, he was supposed to disclose. It was very important for him to disclose the amount of money that he was able to accumulate from those campaigns um, because it means two things. One, just for the purposes of transparency, especially as a person who is leading a country, why would, it, would you lie about such thing? Because also it means that you are trying to give your own ruling party or your own party that you form a part of a better stand as a, a better stand as opposed to other political parties. So it essentially means that in terms of transparency, he didn't necessarily follow the, that protocol. He didn't necessarily respect the importance of disclosing that kind of information. But also, I think, secondly, it, it just doesn't constitute as a fair game to me if someone is able to get that kind of money from endorsements or from campaigns or from businesses and other political parties aren't able to do that. So it does really does sound like an unfair game. And I don't think that uh, politics, especially South African politics, to progress, that they ought to be about that. So um, I do think that he needs to be held to account for that as well. All right, let's leave it there for the week. Adlahang, enjoy the weekend and uh, do stay safe until we chat again next week. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. Same to you, Afanda. All right, Adlahang Mulefe, social commentator, talking trending topics here on Sound Awake. Ronald, uh, sorry, Donald in Westenberg saying good morning, Asanda and the team. I'm enjoying the Sound Awake show. Thanks for an interesting topic. But for me, it's non-starter. Multiple partners will lead nowhere. And that's on our poll question, what your thoughts are on polyamory. And he's saying it's raining there in Rustenburg. Donald, keep safe in the rain and keep warm. Thank you so much. One of our best friends on Sound Awake. Always great hearing from you. All right, here's some music now. Okay, no music. Uh, We'll just take a short break.